hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. This past Pride has shown a distinction between the companies and brands that had the courage to show solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community and those that simply didn't. You're listening to Queer Money, episode 420, and today we're talking with the vice president of sales for Q Digital, the owner of Queerty, LGBTQ plus nation, gay cities, and into Joel Dantas Shoemaker. Joel has over 12 years of experience in LGBTQ plus media and marketing, working with some of today's biggest brands to authentically connect them with the LGBTQ plus community. Today, Joel shares his thoughts on this telling time, the evolution of LGBTQ plus marketing, and what companies are doing today to maintain their support of the queer community with their ad dollars. So let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Welcome Joel Donces Shoemaker to the Queer Money Podcast. We're excited to have you. Ah, oh, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on Queer Money, been a fan, used some of your resources and gotten some insights from you guys. So excited to be here and help contribute to some conversations. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. We, we definitely appreciate that. But one of the reasons why, well, the main reason we wanted to have you on the show is that you posted a, a post on LinkedIn a couple of weeks back that was really aligned with the discussion that David and I were having about a lot of these brands that have been putting rainbows over their logos for several years and, and and theoretically maybe rainbow washing, this seems to be the year where we're seeing who's actually standing with the community and who's not. And that's kind of what your post was about. So I'm curious, I feel like I know this answer, but are you seeing fewer rainbow logos this year? And if so, what does that sort of suggest to you? Yeah, that's a good question. So just a little bit about the context, I think of that question that you're getting in. We have hundreds of bills in the legislatures that are attacking our family and most vulnerable in the communities. And then a lot of right-wing extremist groups are, are really trying to, quote, make pride toxic, right? So we have seen things like Matt Walsh, who says that's their goal, make pride toxic. And then I don't know if you've been onto Breitbart's site anytime recently, which is interesting. It has a whole section that's been about pride marketing in particular. So this is a coordinated effort to really drive a wedge between LGBT and our allies in the corporate space. And so that has been a, a very concerted effort this year. And I think that that's kind of like the context of that question, right? And mm -hmm. um, I am in LGBT media and marketing, and I have done this for like 12 years. And as I say, my work is as gay in January, it is in June. Mm -hmm. So pride season is one thing that we look at and one tool that I think brands have in their roster of tools to show support towards the community. So I just want to kind of like look at that kind of question about kind of like pride rainbows on logos. It really exploded like five, eight years ago around marriage equality. But when I started 12 years ago, there was a lot of brands that were heavily invested in the community that really didn't have a pride strategy, as it were. So I kind of have a little context to this. 
But, you know, the question is kind of like, has there been an impact from this effort to drive a wedge between the LGBT community and these corporate allies? And I think some brands maybe were caught a little soft-footed mm-hmm. on, you know, some of this. And maybe even our community was caught a little bit soft-footed on this. And there were some brand conversations that we had going into Pride season where brands were trying to figure out kind of how to continue their support, you know, but we saw some brands did pivot. But what I saw was actually a lot of the negative headlines in the April, May time period actually gave way to robust pride marketing. And a lot of the brands that, you know, were usually active within pride were active again. And I was just seeing on speaking of LinkedIn posts, Sarah K. Ellis over at Glad was posting, that's the real headline, you know, the enormous amount of, of brand activity there was. Now, some brands do different things each year, you know, maybe the, as I say, in the LGBT media space, sometimes I kind of am more concerned about brands investing in LGBT owned media than what they do with their logo, you know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a nice to have for me, you know, I kind of want that corporate dollar going into our community and to nonprofits and into our businesses, you know, so my, my radar is a little bit more focused on that, but a little bit of effect, a little bit of response, but coming out of pride, I think we held the line, frankly. Nice. That's great feedback. Because from my perspective, it seems like things do seem a little bit more tempered down this year. I don't, the only, the research that I'd done, which is very anecdotal, and it looks like I think you had posted it in a, in your post from a Newsweek article. The only brand that I see that's really doing nothing this year seems to be Bud Light. It seems like other brands have maybe just kind of changed tact a little bit and maybe dialed things back a little bit. But there does seem to be, to your point, still some solidarity with the community. But the concern then, of course, is on the other side is those brands that aren't sticking it out, the moment it seems to get hard and they bail on us, it kind of feels like, well, you know, we can't bail on ourselves, right? You're not going to change your sexual orientation or gender identity. And we can't just tamp it down, you know, completely change who we are or try to suppress ourselves for lack of a better example, a little bit just to appease the current dialogue in national dialogue. I'm curious with the Breitbart information that you're looking at in other contexts, where do you think this is all stemming from? Do you think this is, a, you said this is a coordinated effort. Does this feel like it's a new coordinated effort? Is this kind of since Trump 2016 or has this been going on, building up for a while and it just seems to be peaking now? Oh, well, that's a great question, you know, and and I think I draw on kind of my experience, you know, back, you know, 12 years ago when I was starting to do this you know, daily, this feels a little bit about that type of culture that I was first, you know, calling on brands. The difference between then and now, I think, is that brands, when I would call them up to have meetings, I was the first time they had ever met with somebody in the LGBT space. And their questions were very basic, kind of like, what does the Q stand for? And can you do kind of like a general kind of like market insights presentation? And But the question that immediately came up often was, how do we respond to potential backlash? Because, you know, LGBT media, you know, what, the first broadcast TV spot for LGBT started in the 90s or something like that, absolutes ad campaigns, you know, LGBT marketing has been around, but there's always kind of been this undercurrent kind of like, you know, when conservatives get a hold of this, how do they respond and what do we do as a company? That was much more of a conversation 12 years ago. And it's kind of a skill set I built then that I haven't really kind of needed in the last like 
you know, around the marriage equality time, it was much more celebratory. But now those conversations are being had again, and we're having to help companies, corporations align internally with some of their their policies and whatnot. I do think it's always been there, though, is my point. I don't think the maybe it's peaking in a way for election season. Maybe there's I don't know. I say coordinated because it all seems too coincidental that all of these hundreds of bills are, you know, being activated and all of this is is kind of popping this year. But I, I think it's always kind of been there a little bit and maybe a little bit of a feeling that the Supreme Court is, you know, being a little bit more friendly to some anti-LGBT sentiment, frankly. But the main thing though that I think brands should be looking at is the consumer group, mm-hmm. you know, is largely pro-LGBT. You know, there's a tsunami of LGBT demographics headed brands way, you know, like one in five millennials, I think Gallup reports, and also one in four Gen Z. That's an enormous consumer mm-hmm. segment to be forgetting about. And so as brands are kind of like hearing this backlash and whatnot, knowing it's a small concerted but very vocal group you know whereas the marketplace is is largely pro lgbt and more and more lgbt that's why i think brands when you got into pride season were very much kind of doing business as usual for the most part i think that was the yeah. story curious if you think the recent and when i say recent i'm going to go back a year year and a half two years to when facebook and pinterest and Instagram have basically said to advertisers, you're not able to target the LGBT audience. You're not supposed, you're not able to target people on sexual orientation, gender identity. And from our own experience, when we continue to advertise, all of a sudden we started receiving a lot of hateful comments because all of a sudden now our our advertising was being seen by more people who it wasn't intended for. I'm curious if, the, if you think that that has crept into the corporate space because these advertisers, in wanting to support and show inclusion for everyone, are now having their kind of content that is specifically around Pride season being seen by people who it's not really intended to be seen by. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Oh, that's such a great question. First of all, social media, you know, so I work in the LGBT media space, right? I'm a big believer and kind of shepherded my career into spaces where the investment goes towards the community, you know? And so I have always been, for the most part, with brands that are by and for and owned by LGBTQ. Social media is not owned by LGBTQ, you know, and you just mentioned some things that they're, you know, that are problematic. I applaud GLAAD for in the last couple of years, I don't know if you know about this, their social media safety index for LGBT, that they have been ranking different companies as far as, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, TikTok, as far as safety, you know, using tools to curb, you know, harassment and hate, hateful speech against LGBT on their platforms. And Glad gives them all failing grades, you know, so it's no surprise. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's been something that they have been updating each year. 
And as working in the in the space that I do, calling on brands, you know, when I see brands putting their LGBT messaging mainly onto social media, I'm like, one, the investment is not going to our community, even though the message is supportive. You know, you're funneling actually your wide media advertising dollars outside of our community. That's mm-hmm. a problem. But then also you're you're funneling it into the social media platforms that our nonprofit organizations like GLAD are saying are not doing a great job protecting us, you know? So my recommendation with brands has been to lean into LGBT media because that is where, you know, your your brand is most targeted towards the consumer group that wants the message, is going to respond to the message. And then you're right, you know, you're not going to be kind of dealing with a lot of the comments of people that are not friendly towards the community. Well, I think it's heartening that you're not necessarily seeing a lot of brands bail on the community. It seems to me like it's, it's from at least what I'm gathering from what I think you're saying is that it's more isolated circumstances and maybe it's really just Bud Light that's completely, completely bailed. I do know we did have a conversation with a with an acquaintance who works for one of the largest banks in the country. And they said that they were actually not going to be putting any money towards pride events. All of their money that they would normally spend would be going towards directly to various charities, which I guess, you know, charities, that is good to hear. But at the same time, that means marketing dollars, where there's a lot of money in marketing dollars, marketing dollars on a business side cannot be given to nonprofits, they actually marketing dollars actually have to go towards some sort of marketing, right? So I'm curious if if we do see that some companies are taking a breather and saying, okay, how do we regroup? How do we re- repurpose the money that we were spending to different areas? Yeah, you know, I can only speak from my experience, but I will say, yes, it's true that, that I have had a lot of conversations with brands that maybe are adjusting strategies, but when we talk to them, you know, with, I mean, they're talking to us, you know, so I'm a little bit filtered on that, you know, part of it. But I'll say this, going into the April, May time with all the headlines and whatnot, not knowing how Pride was going to work out to end Pride and say like, our, you know, we didn't have cancellations. In fact, during that April, May time, we had brand renewals and some of them doubled their year over year investments, you know, it was quite positive. And that's why when I put that post on LinkedIn and multiple posts and multiple reporting, there was a lot of different brands that were showing support. Now, you know, does that tell the whole story? Maybe just kind of my lens into it. But I will say Associated Press did a report and they had interviewed Interpride, which is the organization that connects like 375 World Pride organizations. And they said, let's see here, 40% have reported their sponsorship dollars up 20% or more this year. So when I saw that, I was like, yeah. So the picture, listen, do we have serious conversations that we need to be having with corporations right now, how to ensure that these very important partners are continuing to be steadfast. Do they need new updated information about how strong the consumer segment is? Do they need collaborations with partners like us to make sure that their brand is authentic in our community and in a way that represents their their company values? Yes, we need to be doing all of that, probably a little bit more than we have in the past couple of years, but have all the brands kind of like bounced and said, we're out, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing that. In fact, I'm quite pleasantly surprised coming out of Pride season, but we have a lot of work to do. That's good to hear. Just curious if you're seeing, if you're seeing any sort of difference between what's happening at the 
I want to say mega city level, you know, you see things, it, it almost seems like it's still a no brainer for places like San Francisco, New York, Chicago, LA, these big cities, but in places like Toledo, Ohio, or Fayetteville, Arkansas, or those kind of cities, are we still seeing, are you still seeing corporations investing in, in those kind of communities where it may be on the fringe and more likely to experience people from the surrounding community coming in and protesting or getting angry or, or doing nefarious things like showing up with AK rifles and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, I'm from Utah. I'm from, you know, Bountiful, Utah. And I definitely have that experience of growing up in an area that was not friendly to my life. And so that's always on my mind. That's why I got into the work that I do. And pride events are one thing, right? You know, those pride events, the sponsorship dollars that go to them, those those conversations I think are best had with those pride organizations. And I'm, I'm not as tapped in, but I think that supporting people in all of the the communities whether it's a big city or rural you know that's why i'm so such a proponent of lgbt media because when you go into weirdy or lgbtq nation if you're in toledo if you're in tulsa if you're in provo utah you can connect with a community that may not be representative of what you're walking outside on your streets and seeing you know but there's an access point and then that's where that brand message is and for the brand supporting those media channels that reach everywhere that gives an opportunity to report on the issues and and connect to community in a in a way that is all year long you know again i'm such a huge proponent gay is in january as i am in june so should your marketing be and let's make sure that brands are investing in those tools that help connect communities all year round and wherever they are. That's the most vulnerable population right what you talked about rural we actually did a whole series about LGBT in rural places this past year. And really, you know, it's such an interesting thing because the resources are limited, the access, the conversations are different than big cities. But also there's a lot of people that are living out proud lives in rural cities and mm-hmm. Tulsa, in Toledo, and all these places. And times are changing a little bit, but we got to be able to connect a community all year round. And brands can do that in a lot of different ways, I think. To, just to be fair, I am a little bit gayer on New Year's Eve than the rest of the year, but I'm pretty much gay all year round. <laughs> but so I think I like I love that you're saying that because I don't don't know if you've been paying attention. We're doing this queer cities series where we're talking about the most affordable LGBTQ plus friendly city in each state. We haven't published this one yet, but we talked about how somebody commented on our whole stream about Utah was that gay people don't live in Utah. And then here we just found somebody who was born there and was told otherwise. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but it was it is interesting as we're diving into this, is we're, we're, we're discovering cities that there is a decent population of LGBTQ plus people and who are very out and proud and living great lives or there are resources. It's not necessarily the lifestyle that you would get in New York City or LA or Miami or Chicago, but not everybody wants that, right? We are all, you know, we're not a monolith ourselves in the, in the way that we, we like to live our lives and the things that we enjoy doing. So some people want that more rural experience than, than the more city experience. But all that said, I'm curious, especially from your perspective, it's got to be really tough for corporations right now. I get that for the last several years, they've been kind of getting bashed. Many brands have been getting bashed for, for rainbow washing. And then now this year, it suddenly is like even just being associated with the community, you're at risk of getting bashed. So I guess, how are you, without 
maybe you know selling all your goods for free to our show, how are you telling advising brands to sort of do the appropriate balance and then all connect with the community in an authentic way? First of all, it kind of starts with understanding where the where the brand and the corporation is at. You know, some corporations have not done a lot with LGBT, and that's one conversation where you're trying to help them connect with how they get their house in order, you know, before they even go to market. One of the things sometimes I'm calling on a company and I'm looking up kind of like political donations and whatnot, because sometimes for some companies that may don't may not have a good HRC score, for example, maybe LGBT marketing isn't the best thing right then. Maybe they need to actually kind of get their house in order a little bit. And so that that's one conversation. And that's a DNI thing and corporate responsibility thing. But then for the companies that are, you know, in the space, willing to be in the space, I think sticking with it is is such a huge thing. One of the things that has been new the last couple of years, and I don't know if you guys have, have been in the marketing world so much that you've noticed this, but there's a huge movement on diverse-owned media being a big area of media, advertising dollar, and equity. And this has been affecting Black-owned media, Hispanic-owned media, LGBT-owned media. One of the encouraging things in the last couple of years is organizations like Association National Advertisers and whatnot has been really kind of elevating the power and the importance of diverse-owned media. And so we have at, at Q Digital been part of that conversation, helping amplify the, the value of this. And brands are really listening. And I think this is an effect of actually kind of like some of the George Floyd time, Black Lives Matter and Black-owned media and, and some of the, the waters have risen for other diverse groups as well. But brands are really listening, I think, to the fact that their ad dollars and where they go says as much as about what the message is. Sometimes it's not about a rainbow logo. It's about the ad dollars going to the community. And the investment in diverse-owned media, media companies that are certified as being Black-owned, Hispanic-owned, LGBT-owned, you know, has been a game changer mm-hmm. for the community. And I think you may notice that a lot of LGBT media may have maybe a few more brands, you know, advertising because they've woken up to that. So we're encouraging that to continue because that is, again, kind of like that all year effort of supporting LGBT conversations and media that reaches everyone everywhere all year round. And it's been a change. It's been a change because I think like five years ago, the pride thing really kind of took off. And so much of our our marketing conversations were about kind of like May to June, July. And we would have kind of, it was like digesting a deer, you know, like a snake digesting a deer. That was kind of like, and then July would come around like everyone take vacations because brands were not calling them back or anything like that. And now it's just been busy all year round, which is great, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's been a new phenomenon the last couple of years. And so pride season is one thing, but we're we're kind of encouraged by that thing. And so with brands and recommendations, you know, focusing on that diverse owned media dollar investment is part of the marketing strategy as much as kind of like the message. But the most important thing I think is that brands have to stick with it. You know, you just can't go out into the space and not be able to articulate a position that you've taken. And you you have to stick with what you do because I think one of the things that is an opportunity for brands right now is really to differentiate themselves. If you pull back because of backlash, you know, that's your brand value. We're mm-hmm. a retreat brand. If you stick with right. it, you know, in the face of adversity, that's when you really define yourself as like, no, we are the the company that sticks with our consumers, all consumers, every single one of our consumers. You know, that's the opportunity for brands right now. Yeah. David and I experienced 
several Junes where we just had more work than we could manage. And when we got our most recent, our current agent, one of the changes that she made was that we're going to triple or double and triple your prices for June hopefully get you more money for your sweat for all your sweat but then also let them know like hey you guys are gay all year long so they can do partnerships in january and april and all sorts of months and sometimes for yeah and sometimes for brands actually i'm recommending that it's like you know what if you took that same dollar investment that you were making just in june and spread it out all year round you know so it just kind of like feels kind of like more authentic you know, the other thing too, a lot of the people in the community have been a little bit kind of like maybe corporations in pride, which started out as an activist march, you know, maybe that's not a great thing. So some of the brands have actually kind of been listening to some of the sentiment recently saying like, well, pride maybe isn't like the place, best place for our dollars. Maybe we do need to shift these dollars into full year mm-hmm. media campaigns as opposed to just June. So that's another element of it. So I'm wondering what your thoughts on are are on the responsibility of corporations or individuals in the community to actually understand that it isn't just a in june thing right so we find out that you know AT&T is a major sponsor of pride but we also may not know that they gave a million dollars worth of telephone equipment to the Trevor Project, or they they support these particular centers around the country. Whose responsibility is it to understand and know about that or to publicize that? Is that something that we in the community should do a better job at championing these companies that are doing a better job? Or is it the responsibility of the corporations to say, this is what we're doing and we're doing it all year round? You mean the the marketing or the, or the donations to the not great Right. Whose who's responsibility is to tell <laughs> yeah. to tell the story that, hey, this company, you may think this company is rainbow washing, but they're actually not because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, I think consumers need to feel empowered to make their own decisions about what they want to do. You know, I think one thing is, you know, I always look to the HRC score as a starting point, you know, the corporate equality index. There's a lot of information. Companies have to apply for the ranking. There's a lot of detailed information. I've actually been on the the corporation side helping, you know, submit all of the documentation to HRC to have that that score come out. And consumers can look onto HRC site and kind of see the detail behind that. And I would say look at the history too. But then there's a lot of other things. I go to open secrets and I look and see kind of like the the political donations and do a lot of Googling and whatnot. But I think that feedback loop with brands is important if you're not happy with what a brand is doing. If you think it's, I don't know about the term rainbow washing, but not aligned with our community's values, with your values as a consumer. You know, one thing is feedback, but the other thing is the purchase. I think the the dollars that is spent to a brand sends the biggest message right there. But some of these corporations I have found are, are, are big and sometimes they don't know different things in different pockets. <laughs> so that's why somebody like me is calling on a company. And I, I say kind of like, the number one thing is you got to have your house in order is my recommendation. And 
I'm not calling on many companies that have a low HRC score, right? Because I don't want them to go into market and get that backlash from the LGBTQ community. First of all, like it should be a win-win for them going into the segment, you know? So, so I think having their house in order is, is a key thing. And, you know, corporations having conversations with LGBT organizations like Q Digital that I work for or different organizations like HRC or GLAD or whatnot, and, and making sure that feedback loop is, is an active, fruitful one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious for you, uh, put on your like, your what is that, the, your wizard hat. Who's the big wizard guy? I can't think of his name. <laughs> Dumbledore. Um, yes, Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore, um, not Dumbledore. <laughs> look into the future. Like, what? How do you think brands will respond in future years after having gone through this sort of somewhat tumultuous pride season that we've all had to go through? And on top of that, do you think that the religious right, the Christian nationalists, got their bang for their buck this year, or do you think it actually ended up being a waste? Well, what are brands going to be doing in the future? I I think this has been enlightening for a lot of brands. I think some of the feel good from Pride Season marketing may be a little bit more thought through in the future. Based on the conversations that I'm having, I, I think that there's internally more people at the table. And so nice. we as... Yeah, exactly. But And I think, I think that just benefits because... You want corporations to be able to articulate why they're in a space and you don't want them to be kind of like having done something and then it's not something they can articulate why they did. So I think making sure that corporations are kind of like aligned when they go into a diverse owned segment, you know, a diverse segment is important. And so there's probably going to be more people at the decision making table for these LGBT marketing decisions, multicultural marketing decisions. I do think actually it'll continue that diverse owned media, LGBT owned media will continue to be a strong movement. I'm, I'm anticipating that. That has been very successful for, for brand marketers. I think the all year focus continues to be something that the brands are doing. And I'm not sure how much bang for the buck. Well, they're getting a bang for their buck with certain Supreme Court rulings, right? You know, today we found out that there's the ruling around some businesses may be able to discriminate against LGBT in certain ways. And I'm not a legal scholar, but what that says to me is when I talk to brands, I'm saying you need to turn up the volume on what you're doing to LGBT because we are figuring out where our dollars should go. Is this company that we're buying from LGBT friendly? Is it supportive of, of our community? That is more important than ever. And Mm -hmm. so I think you're going to see the LGBTQ community, organizations, media, really amplifying that message to brands. And the brands that get it are going to get it even more. The brands that are supportive are going to be strong. And and some of them may need to shift tactics and bring more people to the table to figure out how their brand can be supportive. But it'll be an interesting next six months or so to kind of see kind of like how the, the conversations continue. But you know, just a plug for GLAD again, kind of some of the work that they did, which I think really kind of met the moment, you know, they put out a lot of information about how non-LGBT are also very responsive to mm-hmm. LGBT marketing and LGBT issues. Something like 7 and 10 or something like that are of non-LGBT are supportive of LGBT marketing. I think our talking points to corporations, the people that are on this side and LGBT organizations and media and marketing our talking points have gotten even better this past June. And so those conversations are going to be strong too. Yeah, absolutely. We were interviewed by Bloomberg after the Dylan Mulvaney thing happened. And 
that was one of our responses. Sort of everything kind of you, you've said together today was one was our you said that the LGBTQ plus community is 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 growing. It's only getting bigger. So that consumer class is only widening. We already have theoretically between one trillion to one point four trillion dollars in purchasing power at this current state. So that's only going to get bigger and brands are going to want to be able to figure out a way to tap into that. And then on top of that, yeah, we didn't get the opportunity to mention it, but 74% of Americans are neutral or positively impacted when they know that a brand supports the LGBTQ plus community, according to Glad's study that they did with Ipsos. And so I think while there's a lot of noise right now, and there's been a lot of disruption, it got a lot of media clicks, I guess, I think I'm personally still positive in the trajectory of the way things are going for the country, maybe not necessarily at the judicial level. <laughs> but as a society, as a community, I think we still have a lot of power that we need to figure out how to harness and, and then direct accordingly. Yeah, we can definitely be prisoners of the moment, right? We can definitely yeah. kind of like that period. And I'm not saying it felt great in April and May, kind of like seeing some of the headlines with different brands and how they were reacting and really kind of like what I think was a PR communications failure on some of them and a failure to articulate their long history with the community. And I'm thinking about Bud Light in particular. I'm just like, I was reading these articles. It was just like, this wasn't a one-time thing. They've been in mm-hmm. the space for a really long time. They were just really poor at kind of articulating that or caring to articulate it, you know? But I think that made a lot of other brands kind of think like, okay, so how are we going to articulate our stance in the community? Mm-hmm. And what are we comfortable being very strongly articulating in the community and that 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 bolsters other companies there is that part too yeah one person's kind of a stumble is another person's opportunity to succeed we're all learning away <laughs> yeah, yeah i think in this particular instance maybe bud light did the front running for everyone else right they took it on the nose and now all of us understand what kind of offensive tactics that these organizations on the right are going to use so we have maybe some knowledge some opportunity to look at that and say now how do we protect ourselves or how do we respond better than what Bud Light did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, the, a few things I always kind of like talk to brands, especially the ones that are newer in the segment or don't have kind of like a, you know, a track record, some of the things I'm always saying, kind of like have your house in order, as I said, work with LGBT partners, you know, so you're, you're walking into the community together and you're collaboratively building your approach, you know, support causes and companies that serve the community. As I said, stand by, stand by it, stick with it. But then the other one too is kind of like if mistakes are made, own them Mm -hmm. and be okay learning. I think that's one of the things I remember from the Barilla Pasta example. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's a little bit dated there, but there was a lot of news about kind of some not great alignment with the community at one point. And then a few years later, they were able to turn around story, you know? So sometimes like brands have an opportunity to learn and grow as people do. And Mm -hmm. so me as somebody that wants to collaborate and look forward, I'm always eager to kind of get in and talk with a brand that maybe is kind of in a a hard situation and, and be a collaborative partner going forward, because it needs to be okay to make some mistakes and, and grow and learn. And sometimes that's when you really define your brand voice even more. So yeah, absolutely. And as we know, corporations are people and pizza is a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I, this has uh, been a heartening discussion now, you know, kind of going into the reason why we were going to do this show. I was a little bit, a little bit down and out, but this is, it really inspired me. And so hopefully it has inspired our listeners as well. We just need to get through this little bit of a, a rough patch and continue celebrating who we are everywhere. How can our listeners and viewers 
keep track of everything that you're doing and Q Digital is doing for the community. Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity to mention it. Go to lgbtqnation.com, queerty.com, gaycities.com, intomore.com. Click on a banner ad, <laughs> watch a video, read an article, share it on social, and you can reach out to any one of us at Q Digital on the site, q.digital. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Joel, for a great interview. To our listeners and viewers, thank you for joining us for another episode. Here's your Queer Money Takeaway. For brands to continue to support the LGBTQ plus community with their ad dollars, their ads must be effective. So please do as Joel suggested. Click their ads, click their links, share their content, and simply show reciprocal support. Then join us this Thursday when we talk about the most affordable LGBTQ plus friendly city in New Mexico. And next Tuesday when we talk about how new changes to 529 plans could increase your retirement security. Thank you and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.